Bertram Bescher joins me on episode 58. Bertram is the product manager at Zydel Harmonicus. He first landed this dream job when he made a name for himself by creating a software tutorial called the Interactive Blues Harp Workshop. Bertram tells us about the history of Zydel and how their use of stainless steel reeds led to the creation of the new Zydel around 2007. As product manager for Harmonicus, he has a very varied role, including creating web pages, selecting pitches for tunings, and helping customers directly with their harmonica needs. And being the heart player in the Boogielicious band, Bertram understands the needs of the gigging harmonica player. Bertram then talks us through the range of harmonicas offered by Zydel, including the diatonic, chromatics and tremolos, as well as other offerings from the oldest harmonica manufacturer around today. Hello, Bertram Bescher, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, Neil. I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much. So, Bertram, it's a little bit different today. So, you are the product manager for Seidel Harmonicus. Yes, that's me since um, I'm with the Seidel factory since more than 15 years already. For all those harmonica players, you've got the dream job. You're the, you're the product manager for Harmonica. So, <laughs> how did you first get this job? When I was young, in my, uh, in my students' times, I wrote a book for learning harmonica, which actually was a software called the Interactive Blues Up Workshop. And this was a CD-ROM that could be put in the computer and you could learn on your computer. So this was something really new. And uh, this was my, my actually my first published work. This was during my, uh, my biology studies when I was at university. I went forward with my biology studies, but because of this book work or this software work, my name was on the schedule in the German harmonica scene and I was in bands and played a lot of jams during these, those days. Yeah, when I finished my studies with a PhD in zoology or even earlier, I found that there is a festival in Klingenthal Klingenthal is the city where the Seidel factory is situated. I decided to go to this festival in 2002. This was actually the second festival um, they ever made in Klingenthal. From then on, I was there every year. So I really early uh, learned a lot about the factory itself and the, uh, the workers there. Um, we, we talked a lot about harmonicas and reeds and reed work and, and what must be done to improve instruments and so on. Due to this uh, relationship to the people in the Zara factory, um, they had my name already. The factory was overtaken after times were really bad. There were two German investors who bought, actually bought the factory and they were looking for a for a product specialist who has a connection to the harmonica scene. They came to me and asked me if I could do the job. And um, this was fine for me because the university job, the, the current one that I had that day was not so fine. <laughs> so it was easy for me to, to say, yes, I'm doing that. So did they see your qualification in zoology as connected so you could deal with the animal as a harmonica player? <laughs> as a physiologist, um, the technical part of my work at, uh, as a biologist was sound analysis, ultrasonic sound. But anyway, we programmed computers. And so the technical aspect was there. And um, I could use a lot of this stuff also in the Zydel factory when we were developing new new machines uh, or you know new techniques in order to tune harmonicas or to analyze harmonica beat responses and so on 
Yeah, fantastic. So Zydel Factory is the oldest harmonica manufacturer in the world, right? But it, it went and it came back again, didn't it? So what was the story there? Okay, uh, this was after World War II. The region where the Zydel Factory is situated became the Soviet Union area. So they were overtaken by the, by the Russians, so the so-called GDR. What they did is um, they put together all the reed makers, so accordions, uh, accord the accordion uh, fabric, harmonica section, and so on. They put everything together into one. And so the, the name Zydel was gone, but they were still producing at the same place all the time since 1847. So there was no interruption. And um, after the, the fall of the German war in 1989, um, they were reprivatized. And um, from that day on, um, it was named Zydel Zöhne again. I mean, for me, as a, you know, as a harmonica player, I remember Seidel sort of coming back into popularity. Or was it always going in Germany and just it became more widespread around the world again or through Europe? Yeah, they were international already because of the old history. You know, they were already strong in, in Australia, for example. Still, the, the, the Boomerang brand was, uh, the, the instruments from the Boomerang branding uh, was uh, done by Seidel in, in, in Klingenthal, Germany. It's a funny thing that Orbit's music is still existing and is now um, dealing with big bands like ACDC and so on. <laughs> they have no music stores anymore. It's funny. Uh, and and Seidel was the, was the maker of all the boomerang models in Australia. Yeah, and during the GDR times, many, many instruments went out of the factory and leave for the East, so the Soviet Union. And um, they were not very famous anymore in the Western part of the world. The, the other brands had the chance to do advertising for 40 years in uh, America and everywhere else, uh, but Seidel did not. So for many people, it seemed that there is a new brand being invented, but um, it, it's a continuous thing, you know. So what made this kind of resurgence back into the Western markets? It is, uh, as a as harmonica maker, you know, there in the 1920s or even earlier, the harmonica was such a success for, and, and there were so many harmonica manufacturers existing in Germany, even in, in Klingenthal, I, I have no number, it must have been more than 20 makers or names that you might never heard. After World War II, there was only one one factory left, and this was in Klingenthal, it was uh, Seidel. The only chance to, to come back was to make good quality harmonicas, I think. And this was what we were intending. You know, we wanted to be a small maker with a really good quality. And what helped us was the dream of one of the main engineers at Seidel, namely uh, Karl Puchold. Um, his son is now working for Seidel um, and he is retired already. But it, it was since, since the GDR times, it was his dream to produce harmonicas with stainless steel reeds because he was in charge during the GDR times. He was in charge for the accordion section as well. So he was experienced with both worlds, like the brass reeds and the steel reeds. And um, he was dreaming of a harmonica with steel reeds because he is uh, convinced that the steel is the better spring, you know, and better spring makes a better harmonica. And yeah, this was his idea. With a, a new Seidel, I, I name it now new Seidel since 2007 or 2006, 2008. This period was the time when the uh, stainless steel reeds were invented not, but, um, you know, changed into harmonica reeds. I got my first prototype from Carl Uh, when I was uh, at Seidel's for half a year or so. And um, I still have it, and it plays great. So after this invention, I was convinced that we could have a success 
in the harmonica world, you know, with these stainless steel reeds. Were they the first ever stainless steel produced reeds? No, no. There is so many things invented. You can imagine that um, the success of the harmonica during 1910 to 1920 or earlier, there were so, so many inventions done. And I think they had even lengthwise milled, not stainless steel, but steel reeds. The problem was the stainless thing, you know, or the older attempts to make uh, steel reeds were with the um, with rusting steel. Now we have stainless steel. This is this makes the difference, I think. But there were attempts. Some went into production, and um, some were overtaken by other manufacturers and put into the inventions were put into the drawer. Never came back, you know. Sure, yeah, and I remember that very clearly. They say when Zeidel came out with the stainless steel reeds, that was the big differentiator, and you know that the reeds would last for a lot longer, and you know the sound characteristics would be different. So mm-hmm. clearly, that's worked for you. Most of your harmonicas do have stainless steel reeds, although you do have brass ones as well, don't you? So clearly, you're you're still happy with the, the decision that you know you're going with the stainless steel reeds as the majority. Yes, and during the last fifteen uh, years, um, we changed the full portfolio of of the Zeidel brand. So all the tremolos, all the octave harmonicas as well, the uh, chromatic all have now stainless steel reed. There's only one model from the chromatic range left in the key of C. And um, all the others have uh, stainless steel reeds, all the other keys, G and low F and so on. Everything is stainless steel now. In the diatonic range, there are three models left might be just worth briefly reminding us all again of what you believe the advantages of stainless steel reeds over brass reeds are. Yeah, I'm a player too. And I remember well when I was a younger player with a lot of jams and a lot of loud guitar players in the same band, I broke D harmonicas every 10 days or so. So I always had, had to carry double keys with me in order to sound good. Thing is, you know, if the note is there on the brass reed harmonica, then the pitch can drop really, really slowly. So what I hated was to have harmonicas always in my pocket that are out of tune. Because, yeah, the brass material is a weaker material that uh, where the, the, the little cracks that occur when the, when the pitch starts to, to go down, this little cut goes inside the reed material really slowly. I think this is the reason why you can hear, even on some of the old recordings, that there are so many out-of-tune harmonicas. This was in the past, and when when we had this these um, stainless steel reeded harmonicas, this uh, never happened again. For me, it um, is really like that. I, in, in the 15 years of being a, a Zidal representative and a Zidal product manager, I found my band 15 years ago, and we have gigs on a regular basis. Usually I have about 40, 50 gigs with them uh, during one year. In all this time, I broke, I think, three or four harmonica reads. This is a complete different thing, you know. Even if they break, they go not out of, of tune before they break. Uh, they are in tune or they are broken already, you know. And this is a little bit more, you know, for me, it's better to have it that way um, than um, having um, harmonicas that are out of tune. I absolutely agree with that because the steel reeds do go sometimes, absolutely. But like you say, they just kind of go completely, don't they? So, uh, yeah. So in a way, maybe that's an advantage because they don't sort of, you know, sort of slowly go out of tune like you say. Yeah, it is like that. You know, if, if, if you have the feeling that, that a steel reed is a little bit out of tune and if you draw, let's say, on the five draw and, and draw hard on it, you can hear the pitch falling, you know, like, and then, like, 
then it's gone. And this is how it happens with stainless steel reeds. And this same process that can be done in, in, in 30 seconds is sometimes on, on brass reeded harmonicas takes you two weeks or so. Or, or even you try to retune it again up and so on. And perhaps it is good for one song then. <laughs> but I would never wanted this back, you know. It's probably worth at this point then talking about, you know, your competition. So clearly there are other harmonica manufacturers who don't use stainless steel reeds and not for you to guess their strategy, but why do you think that is? No, it's always a kind of machinery thing as well. You know, we had the chance to reinvent the wheel a little bit, you know, yeah. because we were starting from scratch more or less. You know, we had the brass reeds, okay, but um, you can imagine after the, yeah, after the Soviet Union times, the machinery and all the techniques that were used to make harmonicas were still uh, 50 years old or whatever, you know. And in order to, to make a new, uh, you know, start, we anyway had to go through all the techniques and um, make them new, buy new machines and make better tools for, for cutting reed plates or whatever, you know. Every step was done uh, new after after 2007. And um, this is not the case on, with other makers. So they stick on their old production method and and we had the chance to change it, you know. Uh, it's not a milling, it's it's more a sanding uh, thing, you know, and you need completely different machines in order to make profiles into into a stainless steel sheet metal uh, than into a, a brass sheet metal, you know. Yeah, so you made a, a big decision at that point to go down the stainless steel reed. And it's definitely paid off. I think, you know, it's it's well established that, you know, you make some very good quality harmonicas. So, so I've mentioned a few times on the podcast that I think we're definitely in a golden era of harmonica manufacturing. I remember when I was young and I started playing, the, the quality was much lower. And now there's a tremendous array of harmonicas available from yourselves and other manufacturers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think you probably helped push that bar, but when you came out with the stainless steel reasoning, I think the other manufacturers had to step up then. And so, 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 what's it like with it with the competitors? Do you do you all talk to each other? You know, do you do you uh, <laughs> compare notes? You know, how how is that? We're friendly together. You know, it's no problem, and um, you know, it kind of contract that you not overtake uh, endorsers, for example, or whatever. You know, there's no struggle. We know each other and we respect each other. For sure, we are competitors. As you said, I think for players, it's great because uh, the, the quality of all the brands improved, in my opinion. Nearly no no sharp-edged harmonica models anymore, you know, or swelling combs are a matter of the past for all brands, you know. I think this came up with, um, yeah, with our idea of making really high-quality harmonicas available for, for harmonica players. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're doing a great job. We're all very pleased with, with it. And uh, one thing I wish I'm pleased to see is that there are, you know, more premium, more expensive harmonicas available. Where I think the view used to be, I'll make them cheap and, you know, mm. so that people buy more. But I think, you know, players who are more serious are happy to pay that bit more, you know, if they're getting much better quality instrument, which we are doing these days. So, so it's great. Yeah. So mm. back to your role as, as product manager then uh, of harmonicas, what does that involve? You know, we are such a small team that each of us has to do a lot of things you know there must be a name for my job and this the name is product manager you know i'm doing the web page i'm um, i'm writing the the newsletters together with our designer who is taking the, all the great photographs but in this team yeah sometimes there is product development and uh, we check for example thicker comps for low harmonicas so then i'm involved again to 
check everything or to also to define the exact pitches you know and if you if you play octaves and so on we have to define the exact pitches for all keys and this is where i come in as a musician Then I have the, the hotline. Uh, when somebody calls me, he gets a good answer mostly uh, to, to his questions. It's, it's a job with, with many, many different things that I have to do. Yeah, and are you involved with dreaming up new harmonica designs? Or you know, because you have quite a varied selection, and you know, quite a lot of different approaches to. So, is that something you're involved with? You know, the first thing I think where where we took one of my ideas, I think was was the final result is the teamwork. You know, but the initial idea for the big six, for example, this was during my my Thales times. I cut ten hole because I, I found I found out that only six holes are are wet out always, and and I never played during that days. I never played in in holes 7 to 10 so much so I made myself a cut I don't know that the brand I took but I think there were um, the Piccolo cover plates I took from, from the little Hona one and uh, I took another wooden combed um, model and glued the edge again on that one to have a 6 hole harmonica you know and uh, yeah when I came to Seidel this initial idea came back you know and we made a product out of it you know but mostly it's teamwork so we, we discussed a lot for example, during our drives to you know, to Bristol with our team, it was a long journey in a car. And during these journeys, you made kind of brainstorming what to do in the next year, you know. <laughs> and this worked out very nicely. Yeah, no, fantastic. Again, it's a dream job for us harmonic players. So back to your uh, sort of playing side, but then we'll, we'll touch on that a little while. So as you say, when you were at university, you were you were actively playing the harmonica then, yeah? You were, you were in bands, as you say. So mm-hmm. so you've been playing from, from a young age? Uh, not so early. I, I played piano for, for, for a long time. So since I was 15, I was a keyboard player in, in different kinds of bands, like rock bands or Beatles revival stuff and so on. I think I took the harmonica first when I was at university already, so with a, in the, at the age of 23 or so. And um, then from, from that moment on, the harmonica became more and more my first instrument. Uh, what sort of harmonica players were you listening to when you were starting out? Uh, I think at the, at the very beginning, I, I tried to figure out many things on myself until I found a guy who played harmonica too, and he was a big, big blues guy. And he uh, introduced me into Sonny Boy Williamson, first, second, Little Walter. I, what I liked a lot is uh, Mark Ford. Later on, uh, my hero, <laughs> little, yeah, kind of hero, is uh, uh, Paul Delay. He is um, one of the most surprising uh, solo players that you can find. I like uh, the playing of Rolly Platt, you know, from Canada. He's uh, the master of rhythm, you know, and, and accent and so on. He's really pah, punchy. Mm-hmm. 
way, I, I always try to play by myself and not to, to sound like anybody else, you know. This was never my, my focus. Yeah, I try to surprise myself during my, my playing and sometimes I'm succeeding. <laughs> and, so, and so you're in a band now, it's called Boogielicious. Yeah. They've had a few albums out. I think you've been on uh, a few other albums, haven't you, over the last uh, few releases they've made? Yes, uh, I think the uh, our trio, last trio album was done was done in 2018. We joined in a, in a piano shop here, in a local piano shop here in my hometown. A good friend is, is running this one. It's, um, it's a Steinway house, you know, they have only Steinways. And uh, yeah, he gave us the key and we could record in his rooms. And this was really great. <laughs> Yes, uh, and there's another album together with um, Abi Wallenstein, who's um, he's um, one of the you know most famous blues players, guitar and and singing in in Germany. I think he has the the blackest white voice ever. Yeah, he won the German Blues Award, I think, in a row, nine times in a row. So <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, you did a live album with him. Yes, I'm very proud of, of this album because it was only two gigs with him and uh, we recorded the four gigs. We succeeded in making one album out of it, which really sounds like it sounded when we played. I always care for making, you know, recording sound um, lively, not so compressed, you know. It's a boogie-woogie band, isn't it? How are you approaching playing boogie-woogie harmonic? I'm thinking a little bit bigger, like a little big band, you know? I, uh, because um, our drummer is doing a lot of brushwork and our piano player is doing... It sounds more full than the usual boogie-woogie um, stuff. And um, I try to, to fill it with uh, brass sections, you know? At the beginning, it was really hard for me because I came from, from blues playing and came from pop and rock playing, and it was much slower. <laughs> and they really pushed me hard. I had to follow this fast stuff, you know. And this is really fast, and um, it's not easy uh, to not repeat oneself all the time if, if you have to play that fast. Uh, another difference as well is you, the, the trio is made up of a uh, piano, vocals, and a, and a drummer, yeah? So there's no guitar, which is unusual for the vast majority of people playing in bands, yeah? And playing with a piano is probably a little bit different, isn't it? How do you approach that? You know, you play piano yourself, so... Uh... I, I enjoyed it a lot, not to have a guitar, because most of the guitar players that I knew, they were too loud, <laughs> simply too loud. And then um, this was this was my kind of music. In yeah, we could play in the, with a volume that um, doesn't hurt, you know. So I just had to find find a way to to have a um, amplification system that gives me the the punchy Chicago sound with a low volume. <laughs> so be, because I, I mostly play with uh, amplified harmonica in order to get a um, punchy sound like a saxophone or like a whatever trumpet or so. It's mostly done with a amplifier and a bullet microphone so yeah yeah great and uh you know like you say you've been you're doing well with these guys i think you've been with them what since about 2008 or so and you you know you you've like you say doing 40 50 gigs a year you've toured around europe so um you know been in france netherlands uh, switzerland belgium uh, england portugal so yeah you're doing pretty well with these guys yeah yeah this is a, it's a great band um, yeah during the crisis now it's it's hard um especially for them because they have no other job they're pros 
Yeah, I, I'm happy to have my job at Seidel's as a product manager. And it seems that um, that in, during crisis, Harmonica's sellings are okay, really, really okay. Um, so I'm I'm really happy not to suffer too much, you know. Yeah, I think uh, that's one of the things, isn't it, where people at home a lot over the pandemic, they would spend things on, on hobbies and pastimes more. So things like musical instruments, I think, did quite well, didn't they? So uh, mm. Seidel did okay, did this through the pandemic. Yeah, until now, we can't uh, complain, you know, it's fine. And we're keeping on doing new stuff like like the the, the alternative chromatic with a non-slider, you know, system with a double row mouthpiece and so on. And um, this was a product of 2020, you know. You've got some dates coming up with the, the Boogalicious band in April and May. I'll put a link onto the podcast page. People want to come and check you out. So mm-hmm. is, it, is it extra pressure being the, the product manager for a harmonica manufacturer, being the harmonica player, or is it, is that help? You know, the fine thing is um, for me as a, uh, at a, yeah, a steady job um, that my my factory, so my boss and 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 I, we agreed on uh, on the fact that I never um, have to get me holidays for making gigs, you know, because I'm the I'm spreading the word life, you know, <laughs> and and this is fine for me because I feel no pressure with my family in order not to have enough holidays or whatever, you you know what I mean. Yeah. And then this is this is a nice fact. Yeah, I think it's a big advantage for being a touring musician because I I also do the uh, artist relations in our factory. And so if I talk with people and they talk about the experiences on, on the road or so, I know what they t- are talking about, you know. It's a buzzman's holidays would be the uh, the English uh, phrase to use there. <laughs> You're familiar with that one. So great, yeah. So let's get on now to talking a bit more detail about Zydel's harmonica ranges and, and the products offered. So mm-hmm. first of all, talking about the diatonics. So clearly you've, you've got your 1847 range and 1847 is when Seidel was formed in Klingenthal in, in Germany. Yeah? So that's where the 1847 comes from. Yeah. You've, got, you've got the range of 1847s. You had what was the classic with the wooden combs and then and you then got the Noble, and then more recently you came out with the Lightning, yeah. which is a metal-bodied uh, harmonica, which is the most expensive of the range. Yeah, so maybe uh, tell us about the 1847 range. The, the aim at the beginning, at the very beginning, was to make a, a modern classics, you know? So that's why the 1847, the first 1847, did not look like coming from Mars, so not so fancy, modern but really traditional because I know that harmonica players, mostly very, you know, traditional guys. And we just wanted to make sure that they would love our stainless steel reeded harmonicas as well. So we put them on a wooden comb, which was, yes, it was rounded and it was fully sealed so it could not swell anymore. Shortly after it came out, we changed the reed plates material uh, from brass to to German silver. So um, there was no green stuff anymore on, on the reed plates after playing and um, the, the covers were from the beginning were stainless steel and even the screws and the, the rivet material are non-corrosive and so this this was our aim to have something really really good available for the players but still looking like a harmonica you know yeah the next step was the plastic body because many people like, like plastic and were convinced that plastic is better than wood 
So this was the silver then. Interesting thing with the silver is that we that they have a full uh, solid plastic comb, not a die cast in, in this way that there are any any uh, cavities inside or so. There's, it's really a sandwich like a wooden comb. That's why this one seals really good as well. Next step was the uh, noble. The, um, uh, aluminium comp that was CNC milled. So this is a most yeah technical difference. And the wood is the wood is uh, laser cut and then uh, sanded. Uh, the plastic comes out like it is. Uh, aluminium is CNC milled and anodized afterwards. You know, black anodized. Yeah, the last step was the lightning. Uh, there were some custom harmonicas out with um, stainless steel or even brass combs. We played them and said, okay, this is, an, again, another quality. Just the hap- haptics is completely different. So you have a heavy, heavy metal <laughs> harmonica. And um, it turned out that as well, the, the read response or the perhaps it's the, the treble range, the really high frequency, and the, the, the comb makes it a little bit more crisp, I would say. Like uh, the Noble already has this crisp sound combined compared to the, to the classic. The lightning is even more crisp or more rough. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, so a great range. And then you've got the Session Steel as well, which are the, sort of cheaper than the 1847 range, but they've got plastic combs and really good quality harmonicas. I have some, and I've got to say, they, they feel like some of the most airtight harmonicas that I own. After a while, you know, you know, they are recessed. It's a recessed reed plate like other makers do as well. It's so that you have no contact to the reed plates with your lips because the reed plates are inside the body. So And um, this makes the main dif- difference from the feeling. like especially chromatics they play better after you played them a few hours you know the reason for this is that the saliva enters the harmonica and fills all the little little tiny non-airtight regions and then everything dries out and if you repeat that there is a kind of a protein glue (laughs) putting sticking everything together and making it extremely airtight and this is what is what happens to the session steels as well with with its recessed reed plates are you telling us we shouldn't clean our harmonicas then yeah yeah um, not too much i I wouldn't i I would not suggest a chromatic player for example to unmount the reed plates too often this is actually as well given in the Renaissance manual that uh, you know the Renaissance harmonica from Douglas State, yeah, yeah, Douglas State's ones, and and he wrote a, a manual, and um, in this manual he said that um, harmonica seals while playing due to the saliva. He said it natural sealing process. <laughs> So talking about the Renaissance, and we can jump onto the chromatic. So didn't Seidel make a version of the Renaissance for a while? Yes, we knew Douglas Tate. He had some meetings with our main engineer and the uh, Karl Puchold again. And Karl Puchold was he, he was really gifted gifted person with uh, you know handwork. So uh, he overtook the plants from Douglas, who already suffered from I think he had a brain tumor. So we. Yeah, we decided to to continue his work, you know. 
Yeah. And um, he agreed on that, and he gave us gave us all the plans. And Karl Puchold did um, the Renaissance for a few years. And when he retired, there was no person anymore who could do that. You know. Right. So it's not available now. No, it's not available anymore. So this is this range of chromatics is closed forever. I I think because everything was handwork. Yeah, and you know, just to explain to people who don't know, so the Renaissance, as you say, was designed by Douglas Tate, and it was a, a very top-end uh, handmade harmonica, a chromatic harmonica, wasn't it? So well done for carrying it on for a few years. So, so on the chromatics, then you was the Saxony one of your first ones, and you had the one before then, didn't you? I think, and then the Saxony came out. As a maker, you have to always be sure about the investment that you do if you bring out a new model, you know. And so, the Saxony and the the deluxe steel models are further developments of an older model called the deluxe that had brass reeds, and um, we just overworked. Um, many many parts in order to to have the the Saxony finally the Saxony that has a better more airtight uh, mouthpiece system. Stainless steel reeds, uh, different cover plates. Uh, they are opened wide at the back. There is an aluminium comb in, in, not anymore a wooden comb. There are no wooden combs anymore in the chromatic line anyway, because I think the the tone wood that is was available in the past for a reasonable price is gone from the market, and you just get young wood. And um, if you produce wooden combs uh, with tiny little cavities like on a chromatic comb, at the end we had 50% that were not good. And I think because the, the chromatic's more complex than a diatonic, it, it probably needs that more precision comb, doesn't it, that plastic can provide? Yeah, plastic or um, even milled aluminium. And um, the plastic that we have is uh, actually acrylic glass, and um, this can be milled as well. So we have no die cast for the chromatics. It's it's all um, yeah machine milled, like CNC machines are doing the job. And of course, your, your your most recent chromatic is the symphony. Yeah, this is uh, one that we made from scratch. You know, after a while, it yeah we had no sixteen holer in our range. We had yeah to really make it from scratch, and we had the chance to make it from scratch. And the result is the symphony. first one that we had was the Symphony 64, or also called Grand Chromatic, um, with stainless steel reeds, and um, it has an aluminium comb with recessed reed plates, individually screwed on, so like uh, you can remove only one cover or and one reed plate, and the other side is untouched, so this is really nice. The, the slider, the slide spring is on the left-hand side, so on the, on the lower notes, and that's, this is the reason 
for being able to just open one screw at the back of the instrument. The screws come from the back. The mouthpiece screws come from the back. And if you open it on the right side, so on the side with the slider knob, push it a little bit outwards, you can um, slip out the whole sliding slider in order to, to clean it. Yeah, this is much more convenient method to clean the slider. If you want to make a... Uh, yeah, outstanding sounding and airtight harmonica. And um, if it is the chromatic, the tolerances are really small, have to be small in order to have the optimum uh, of tone control and no air loss. So the player has the chance to really modulate the tone. And, you know, it's easy to make a, a harmonica that is not airtight. Everybody can play on it, but you can't control the note, you know, or the tone. And our aim was to make it really high-end for, for high-end players who don't want to have this air loss. So it's interesting. It's got a, a magnetic slide, hasn't it? The sixty-four model with a with a um, four octave range it has a usual uh, spring mechanism built in, and uh, the shorter one that came out later um, has two differences. One is uh, that we polished all the reeds on the surfaces. The milling marks or the sanding marks are really reduced in order to a better better um, durability even better than the usual stainless steel has. Um, and the sound is a little bit more even than two um, with the polished reeds. <clears throat> and the other thing was the idea of having um, two magnets that do the job that usually does um, is done by the spring, you know. And has it been a success in the magnetic slider, would you say? Yeah, it's 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 many uh, players love it, but there are some who um, you know produce a lot of saliva and get sticky sliders, and you know the magnetic force is not that powerful like the spring is. Drop it out, can't you? Yeah, to, to replace it with the spring. Yeah. yeah, it can be replaced with the spring, or even you can put in both, like the magnets and the spring, whatever you want. I I like it a lot because uh, for me it's no problem to clean the slide from time to time and uh, to make it work. But for many people they say okay you have to work on the slide more often that's that's the fact but in return you get a really smooth feeling while pressing uh, the, the slider that starts really easy and soft and becomes harder at the end because then uh, the, the both north poles you know the north north and north come really quite close and then you have a spring force but at the beginning the touch of the slider is really really light and this this is what i really really uh, like very good idea to the magnetic slider and like you say if you can just swap it out to, if to a spring if you don't like it it's, it's the best of all worlds isn't it so it's a great innovation so again well done for, for bringing that in so let, let's move on uh, you also create tremolos and some you know stainless steel tremolos as you said because i think tremolo reeds are, are notorious aren't they that they're, they're quite thin and you know they have to be in tune with each other of course because there's two and they've got the same note right so um i think the the more resilient steel probably works very well in the tremolo does it i would say yes yeah because especially if you if you tune them to yeah decent amounts of tremolo so um we have two models one is the skydiver And the Skydiver has this kind of Asian tuning, which is comes from solo tuning, but without any uh, double C notes, you know. And uh, this is the most commonly used tremolo tuning in the world. So, and, and um, the Skydiver model has a really light tremolo. It's not too fast and really light. In order to keep it like that, it's always important to have the reeds in tune, for sure. Same with the octave harmonicas. On the octave harmonicas, uh, you have otherwise you get a tremolo sound out of an octave harmonica, and this is not what you want. Yes, yeah, so just the octave harmonicas. You know, uh, on on tremolos, 
two reads work at once all the time. And um, they are all individual chambers. If you have this double row square mouthpiece, you know, you have one uh, in the upper in the upper row, there is a, a draw and the blow hole and uh, the same in the, in the lower row of, of the mouthpiece. And, uh, and the package of four makes a usual blow and draw note. So two reads work together and produce the tremolo, like, like a 12-string guitar, you know? And on the octave harmonica, it's like a, having an octave put to a guitar. <laughs> so you have as well two reads working together, but they are tuned uh, one oct octave away from each other. So as well as, uh, as harmonicas, you, you also provide some some additional. So you, you have an amplifier now, the Hyperamp HA1510. Uh, how long have you had this one out? Uh, this is uh, this is Mark II already, so it must be out for 14, 15 years already. So after five, six years, we made the MK2 version, which is the current version, where we added a gain control and um, reduced the amount of reverb that is built in. Actually, this amplifier is not done in the Seidel factory. It's like a boutique amp, you know, like like a small maker who is doing uh, only small amounts of a, a series. It's about 30 amps or whatever, you know. If we order we 30, 50 amps like that. And they are all hand-wired and um, handmade. The aim was with the MK2 version was to have a, yeah, a tube amp that provides the right amount of, yeah, you know, Chicago feeling, even with low volumes. So this, this one is really sizable. You can add another speaker or you can crank it up in order to sound really big on a, on a big stage. There's also a line out so you can amp it from to the PA direct, directly. Oh, it's, a, it's a small tube amp. It's 15 watts only, 15 watts only. Quite a lot for a tube amp. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's a tube. It's a tube watt, so it's a little bit, yeah, it, it's loud enough, I can tell you. The, there's a volume control and a gain control, and um, if you crank the gain control, there is enough distortion even with the low volumes, you know. And this is what yeah. people aiming for. Most people who buy amplifiers are not pro players and do not step on big stages all the time, but they want to have this exact sound in their living rooms together with the playback. By the way, there is an auxiliary in on that amp too, so you can do the, your street music with it as well if you want. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. So great. And another thing you've done really well with is this gecko harmonica holder, which uses magnets again to attach the harmonica to it. I think I've heard a lot of good things from people uh, about this harmonica holder. Yeah, I think um, swapping harmonicas never was so easy. The idea came from from a maker in the US, Pete Farmer from Foot Drums. He's the, the guru of um, foot drums, so and he has the invented this harmonica holder uh, as a side product. And um, yeah, we are now producing all the gecko harmonica holders in in Klingenthal directly. So they are made in Germany according to his ideas. You have to look at the product itself. Uh, it, it's 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 a sturdy thing, and many ideas went into it. The fixed position, for example, you know, usually if you 
put on your rack holder or harmonica holder, you have always to to adjust the angle again. And one, sometimes it's it's fine in a live situation. Sometimes you have to put your head in front, and uh, because you have not the chance to readjust it while playing guitar or whatever. But this one, uh, the, the gecko holder, has a fixed position. You can adjust it before you play it. Then you can easily. Put the harmonica down and up again with the same with the very same angle you adjusted before. This is this is one of the most important or most clever features besides the the magnetic the magnetic uh, holder. Another thing which you you know you're very hot of there at Seidel is the um, is offering different tunings and, and you've got various different players promoting their tunings. Like you've got um, a couple of the players I've had on here. You've got P.T. Gazelle's um, uh, his uh, harmonica with the half valves. You've got it's not just tunings, is it? But you've got Major Cross from uh, from Tony Erz. You've got the Wild Tuning from Will Wild. Yeah. Brendan Power, so all sorts of tuning. So that's something you you know you're very keen on and, and making those available for people. Yeah, you know this was a specialty that we had from the beginning. But at the beginning, it was like that. Um, someone wrote us an email with some crazy stuff inside, and we had to figure out if it is possible to do or not. So uh, we decided very early decided to have this harmonica configurator on the net on our web page, where you can figure out your own tunings, and we get exact informations from the players in. Uh, how to do it this was a really big step forward yeah the service is can be done with a with a tool on the internet called the harmonica configurator or harp configurator it gives the opportunity that you can really try to figure out a certain tuning variant that is suited for any other kind of music that is not blues for example we had in the past i had a uh, Scottish uh, players who have a, a draw and a blow bordoon note. I think I made myself one of those. I have this. This is draw. But this is blow. So this kind of stuff can be done easily with a configurator and otherwise you have to retune by yourself and not everybody is... Um... So the configurator came first and then you started offering, you know, tunings such as the Major Cross and the Wild Tuning as a result of the configurator, did you? Yeah, you know, um, many players started out making their own configurations and, um, for example, Will Wild, he was endorsed uh, by us already when he tried to figure out his own Will Wild uh, harmonica tuning. He did it in a configurator until he was uh, happy with it. said, okay, um, this could be a good, nice product. He is the ambassador for this kind of tuning, like uh, P.T. Gazelle is, um, is the ambassador for um, the half-valved P.T. Gazelle method harmonicas that can be played chromatically and so on. Not all the tunings have the potential to be a serial product or a specialty product, but as soon as uh, it becomes uh, commonly used by many players and they are asking for this model, we can do this signature, signature models, I would call it. Uh, and it's probably a good time now to talk about the uh, endorser scheme that you have. So you've got lots of players that you have as endorsers and lots of people from all around the world. It's 
you know you've got people from obviously lots of European players, South American players, so even some Iranian players on there. So you really try to to try really to spread it, you know, and get those different styles and, and music from around the world. Yeah, I think the harmonica has the potential to to do it, you know, especially the Richter tuned harmonica. I think it's one of the most versatile instrument that I can think of in uh, in terms of, you know, making folk music in in different contexts, you know, like Iranian music. bending bendability you can have all the scales and modern players uh, even better if they are able to play uh, overblows and, and or half half bendings or so there is one guy he plays a mix out of overblows and half valving brilliant too put he took the best out of two worlds you know he um, overblow one for example is not easy to get so he has a half valving uh, method on that one in order to get that note. And um, in four, five, and six, overblow is not so hard. Then he takes the overblow approach. Overdraws are really ugly notes sometimes, you know. You have to set up your harmonica so good in order to get them right. Again, he's doing the half valving on those ones, you know. And at the final result, he has full chromaticity. So so what, what does it take then to become a, a sidle endorser? You know, why do you choose a place that you do? Usually we ask them to write us their ideas of how to promote the brand. Some of them are not experienced yet with our instruments. Then we give a testimonial that is mostly paid. We have our policies not to give away free harmonicas. That we are much too small for, for doing that. Um, yeah, people are interested and um, we talk with them and um, I figure out mostly what they can do. If they have students, for example, and a full Uh, schedule of gigs there's no question you know they are already more or less pro players but others perhaps have a good working instagram account perhaps not yet great players but um, they they reach a lot of audience and they can spread the word so this is a qualification then for them for being endorsed um, this is the modern times you know with instagram and um, sometimes there are some guys who do uh, brilliant tutorials or serial serials of tutorials it's a quite a mix out of um, interesting harmonica guys Yeah, so other stuff that Seidel do, there's, you've got a harmonica festival, Mund Harmonica Live, which is in uh, held in, in Klingenthal each year, yeah? Yeah, it is always in the 3rd September week. And that's happening this year. It did happen last year as well, didn't it? Yeah, we had the chance to do it last year as well, and it was great. So this was one of the first ones that could be done during this crisis. And um, this year seems to be uh, okay too. So we already have um, fully booked schedules for all the workshops. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I'll put a link on to, to the festival so people can find that. And um, and it's also got a, a competition, isn't it, called the, called the Saddle Open, where uh, the, there's competition, you provide backing tracks for that. Yeah, the idea was for, for the Saddle Open was um, to, to give people or players a chance who usually are not playing with the band. You know, they get free backing tracks after they registered for the contest and they can choose one or two songs out of 11, 10, 11 songs that are actually played by a band. So um, in, in springtime, I, I, visit, I always visited the bands and did some of the recording, uh, some recordings for the playbacks. And um, in autumn, after they could rehearse with the backing tracks for six months or so, they came all to Klingenthal and as well the same very same band is there and plays more or less exactly the same backing tracks. I take it not too serious, you know. My thinking is um, measuring music is always kind of, hmm, I don't know, you know, especially if you do, if you want to say, okay, this is the best blues guy. He did the best, uh, you know, improvisation or whatever, you know, this is even harder then to judge about that because, you know, sometimes it's not only the, the, the technique, playing technique, it's, it's also their the appearance or how they are in the music if they are on stage or whatever. And all this is covered by a jury and um, we have the audience as well who can, uh, they can vote for the first, second and the third. So a question I ask each time is, if you had 10 minutes to practice, what would you spend those 10 minutes doing? <laughs> this is uh, easy to answer for me because I think what is mostly missing um, is rhythm skills. So, you know, practicing on, 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 the, on the right rhythm or on syncopies or on, um, you know, exact, for example, if you play... Um, These are all the right notes, but it's not at all, you know, interesting. What I'm thinking is like... this you know like funny rhythm exercises yeah thank you so uh so here's a question for you then uh which uh i'm guessing you play sidle harmonicas only but what's your favorite ones um yeah i have most of them are um 8047 classics because i started on them because that was the first 8047 that we had and i uh, fell in love with it i have some of the lightnings now in my in my um gig set um because it it turned out that um, for for soloing, they were quite better than than the actual classics that I had before, <laughs> even, even without adjusting them. So uh, I kept them in in my gig set. But most of of my harmonicas are still the classic ones. Yeah, great. Yeah, and do you use any overblows yourself? Yes, yes. Uh, at the beginning, it was just sports. From time to time, I'm using them in 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 the to to produce some jazzy stuff. Like. Whatever. For a beginner, I would say, okay, learn the rest before you learn overblows, you know. Yeah. Are the sidles set up well for overblows out the box? I would say if you know how to produce an overblow already, they are all overblowable. No problem. Sometimes you have these um, squealing issues that come from torsion mode yeah, vibrations. 
these high high squealing noises, you know, yeah. then you have to work on on these a little bit by customizing by by yourself. So this is not guaranteed that there is no squealing, but it's much less than on other on other models. And uh, which embouchure do you like to use? Uh, I started with um, with Paka. The tongue block um, is is important too because many many uh, octaving or other intervals cannot produced without and uh, vamping and so on. But um, I would not say that um, tongue block is so much more important if you are a modern player. Perhaps if you are a traditional blues guy, then it's uh, even more important to to play more tongue block. But I mix it up, and I think first place it's still pucker. And what about the, your chromatic of choice? What would you like to play? I don't play a lot. I would say, to be honest, the, the symphony is too good, too airtight for punchy blue stuff. Because uh, you know, if you if you play uh, like what is it called, blues in the dark or whatever, if you play um, punchy blues, West Coast uh, swing stuff on on chromatic, you better choose the the deluxe steel because the other is too high ended. And uh, so, what about amplifier wise? Do you use the hyperamp or do you have a selection of others too? You you know, um, the hyperamp is fine. Um, from time to time, I'm still using it. But, uh, you know, when we are out of the band, we have only one car. The room in the car is restricted. Um, so I went for AER, acoustic guitar uh, amplifier, which is nearly clean sounding. And I use a booster uh, that is made from a guy in uh, in Erfurt. It's called the Little W, <laughs> like the Little Water. This is a little harmonica booster. And this is my, my dream comb- combination because it's small, loud enough with my band. does not take any space in the van or in the in the car. Right. And you're playing a clean sound as well with that band too, are you? So you're like a clean sounding amp. I have this, uh, this uh, distortion booster thing for my usual sound and the bullet microphone that I really cup a lot. So in order to get a really fat Chicago sound out of it, but this amps um, have another input where you can plug in, um, let's say, um, a condenser microphone for acoustic sound. I usually do it like that. I have my my uh, acoustic microphone on a stand. That is where I can talk to the audience as well if I want. And um, this goes into the very same amplifier. And so I have my my own box or sound on on the um, on the stage, which is always the same. And the second channel, um, the line in the guitar line in, is used for the uh, distorted sound. Last question then. So uh, just any more um, future innovations that the side are coming out with? But yeah, the non-slider come out most recently. Any more innovations coming? Uh, there, there will be soon, in, in uh, starting at a- in April, uh, there will be the summer edition. But this is just session steel with another color. At the moment, I think there is, are no innovations in the pipeline. But from time to time, we, we check out new things. I'm sure that there will be uh, uh, something else again. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they will. So thanks so much for joining me today, Bertrand Betcher. You're welcome. And I'm, I was happy to be in the podcast here. Thank you. That's episode 58. Thanks so much for listening again, everybody. Really appreciate it. Appreciate Bertram giving us his insights into the life of a harmonica product manager. He's definitely living the dream there. He's a lucky man. Remember to check out the website, harmonicahappyhour.com and any donations gratefully received to help with the running cost of the podcast. It's just over to Bertram now to play us out with his band Boogielicious, Alabama Blues. (laughs) 